official source for podcasting entertainment. Visionaries Global Media, envisioning excellence on a global scale. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we can laugh through our intro. It's just twist, a... twist them up, baby. Mm. He said twist them up. It's like he already knows what we're going to talk about. It's like he knows the name of the awards. Oh, he... yeah. It's a twist up episode. <laughs> so as the phoenix rises from the ashes, it's time to fly. Welcome back to the Phoenix Flash Podcast, episode 19. We're going to circle this one as a very special episode. Not the 20 episodes, so it's a nice round number, but it's a special episode just in the fact that we've done back-to-back episodes in weeks. So we did one last week. We're doing one this week. That never happened in the, the annals of PSP. But more importantly, we're passing out awards this week. The High Twist Awards. I'm going to yeah. like let break it down, what the High Twist is, who did that shit, and all that other good shit here in just a second. But in addition, like we said last week, we did homework. Your boy did some top 25 matches of the year for 2023. I can't wait. Right-hand side, the the chairman of the GLG Midwest section, Brett Jager, did a top 50. So he overachieved. I just did it just enough to get by the the passing grade, if you will. I'm proud of you. Thank you, sir. It was a little work, but we did a good our best. We're going to do those things, passing out awards, the whole episode, the whole nine yards. But per usual, I got to talk to my boy. I'll let my boy for 30 seconds time to talk some non-parade shit. My checker, what's going on, baby boy? Tell me something good. Ready to twist them up, baby. Okay, yeah, so. Well, real quick, it's also this is also a celebration of us doing this podcast for one year, which is crazy. This is very, very true. I was getting ready to say we did it just after Wrestle Kingdom 17 last year. So, you know, kudos to my man on the right hand side. If you're looking on YouTube, we made a promise that we wouldn't do this if it became a chore. And it hasn't. It's been very loose, very, you know, fittest in fit PSP into it when we can, you know. Now, you know, you got a life, you know, you got a woman that loves you. You trying to make that happen. I got two jobs and two cats. I got plenty of shit going on on this other side of the fence. So trust and believe PSP is doing what it's supposed to do, allowing us to have our love for Parazu wrestling. But then when it's time to talk about it, we make the time to talk about it, fit it into the schedule where it should be fitted, where we can fit it in. Life's a bitch sometimes. So, like I said, let's talk a little Parazu wrestling. We're going to talk a time. Firstly, I want to say <laughs> your fan sounds like you're in the midst of a fucking windstorm right now. It's <laughs> it, You can't see it, but there is a couple of holes in the roof of the apartment. Now, if you look, you see, see it. Yeah. Okay. So, there was a leak in oh, the apartment no. above me. And it's been a nice little mess the last couple yeah. of weeks. So 
Well, it's like I know I've seen you. You've had fans on, and you could like hear it faintly sometimes, and it's not that bad. But I'll get like a gust every now and then. And it's like this motherfucker's in a windstorm right now. Oh no, these are three industrial fans. These are no jokes. You know what I'm saying? I walk by, it's like oh shit. <laughs> well, and it makes sense that a phoenix will fly in a storm sometimes. You know, there's a storm breaker that we're probably going to be talking about for you know the guy who's. So good that we had to name the award that he couldn't even win it because it was too easy. We're talking Will Ospreay, of course. And as we mentioned last week, we'll be awarding the non-Will Ospreay male male wrestler of the year award. But anywho, I like I that you off. breaker thing you did. That was see. <laughs> Rainbuster boys, man. I can see why you carry that joker from time to time. All right, let's talk about top 25, top 50. We said we we're going to do a top 25 first. We're going to do five and five, talk about each other's five and five. And then Mr. Oche- Mr. Overachiever over there on the right-hand side is going to do 26 through 50 really quick. So as the rookie of this bad boy, I'll go first on a Hell yeah. well, uh, 25 through 21 and in order, 25, I have Master Watto versus Mike Bailey in BSOJ semifinal. I believe that it was uh, 522 of this year. 24, I have Hachimoto versus Shiri at Grand Star, uh, All-Star Grand Queendom. Uh, I forget the date on that. Didn't write it down. Doesn't matter. Dope-ass match. Go check it out if you haven't seen it. 23, oh, yeah. uh, uh, Azumi versus uh, Starlight Kid. Just random-ass match. We No, take that back. This was a high-speed title match. I wrote it down later. Yeah. Triangle Derby on 314, if I'm not if I'm reading my handwriting correctly. 22, Inamura versus Keno. Haven't seen Inamura since this, but this is his breakout match of the tournament and his career so far in the N1. 810, I believe, is the date on that. I have that at 22. And then 21, I have Suriano versus Julia in the five-star 723 as the date. So that's my 25 through 21. Damn, a lot of stardom representation here. You know, I know we've been – There's some good shit, down, no doubt. But there was a time where them motherfuckers was doing their damn thing. So for the record, I have uh, Shiri Hashimoto at 49. So like my second going from the bottom up, funny enough. And my Intermira, I've got Intermira Keno somewhere down there as well. 43 on mine. So kind of similar placements. Um, I'll give my five here and then we'll kind of just discuss because I wrote yours down. My 25 is Katsuhiko Nakajima versus Yuma Aoyagi from All Japan's Giant Series 23 when Nakajima won the belt, the Triple Crown Championship. Uh, 24, Yuki Ueno versus Chris Brooks, DDT Ultimate Party. Not too long ago, November 12th, Ueno going over Chris Brooks to win the KOD Championship. 23, I've got Aussie Open versus Bishamon from Sakura Genesis. Aussie Open emotionally winning the IWGP Tag Team Championships. That match brought me to a tear in the moment. 22, Taichi versus Shingo from <clears throat> wrestling Satsuma no Kuni for the KOPW Championship. Taichi's big triumph when they kind of feuded over that championship to end 22. He could never get the win. Gets the big win here. And 21, Hikaleo versus Jay White. Uh, when Jay White got banished from Japan 
absolutely loved that match in the moment and was, you know, one of those we talked about at the time, but it's like anything can happen here. And just they, you know, it just truly took us on a ride. That one was from no be- New Beginning in Osaka. So how do we want to do it? I guess do we want to run through, kind of just talk through yours and your selections and kind of no, what? Okay. Well, I was going to say I got mine written down. I was tripping off yours. I have a couple of yours on my list, but obviously okay. they're they're going to be a little higher up. I figured Yuki and Brooks. I remember. I believe you gave five stars, so I kind of expected that one a little more yeah, up that's there. Crazy. Uh, and I think you might have been five on Nakajima Yuma as well, or definitely close to. Because I remember. Oh no, I'm no, I'm not saying that. I, I can't remember what I, exactly I gave it, but I was going to say it. it, it no, take that back. It's not on the list. Uh, okay. versus Kento is on my list, but uh, at 14, I'm going to give that's a quick. Oh, story. that's right. Yes, that's that's that actually what I meant. I remember we both preferred that one over the Nakajima Yuma, but they were both fantastic. Um, none of the ones you mentioned were in my 25. Obviously, I talked about the couple that were in my 50, but um. Wado, Mike Bailey, obviously very strong, you know, surprising as well in the moment. Um, you know, I don't think anyone really thought Master Wato was going to the finals, let alone winning best of Super yeah. Junior. You know, Azumi, yeah. Azumi Starlight Kid, you know, could not reach the heights of the first match they had, which was just a fucking classic, but still damn good. And then uh, Soriano, Julia, you know, Soriano will definitely be mentioned for one of my awards a little bit later on. She's someone that we didn't really know anything about before last year. At least I didn't, and I don't think you did. So she, you know, had a hell of a year and someone that, you know, even though I'm not really watching or following stardom as much, you know, I'm sure is primed for bigger and better things. No, it's uh, interesting you say that. uh, Clearly, you don't know. She won the... uh, the white belt uh, title at the, uh, the, uh, the final show. <laughs> Clearly, I don't. I do remember seeing that it happened, but yeah, good for her. That's exciting. No, I, say, I, I thought about you when you were saying that. I was like, yeah, you probably don't know because he's been on a starter uh, strike, but that's okay, too. Um, the <laughs> matches okay. that you, you have on your uh, 20, uh, 25 through 21 that I didn't, and uh, I guess it's just you know how we rank them because – my 25 stops right around at like the 475, 4.5 clip. So maybe yep. uh, Osseo Ben Bishimon was a 4.5 to me. And for whatever reason, it didn't make the cut. It's not a knock against that, but it, it no. is one of the better matches of the a year. A lot of great matches last year. Holy shit. Yeah. And we're just exactly. talking Japan here. You know, right. it's like there's exactly. so many other good matches from last year that we're not even discussing, but. Um, what did yeah, you say? I, the one after uh, Aussie Open Bishiman, that was the, the other sh- one that's not on Shing- my list. Shingo and Tai Chi, Tai Chi, yeah. I was gonna say that that definitely puts Tai Chi on the map and makes him feel more of a a competitive, you know, type of wrestler. It's not, you know, it's not Millie Vanilli coming down lip syncing anymore, you know, he can, you know, trade kicks with. Kota Ibushi, and now he's, you know, defeated probably his biggest nemesis to date in Shingo Takaki. So in in that scenario, yeah, that's going to say that that was probably like a four or five for me. Doesn't make the list, but nonetheless, it still stands out just because for me, 
that put Tai Chi kind of like really on the map and separated oh, yeah. from Ha Ha Tai Chi to I'll kick your ass, Tai Chi. <laughs> Definitely the biggest win of his career. And just a little yeah. side note, I was on a little call with Azar last night and we watched a few matches and he found it was from 2003 in mm -hmm. all Japan, Tai Chi at like age 20 against Tenru, who I know you've only seen a little bit of throwing water bottles and tables at Kobashi. This yeah, would have been I, a couple years. Cringing already. <laughs> yeah, this would be a couple years before that, and he beat the piss out of him. Tai Chi did yeah. get some offense in. It was like a seven-minute match, and like it was Azar and I were just laughing the whole time because it was just – Tenzron can do at that point. I mean, Jesus Christ, it, that was just sending the lamb to the slaughter. I was about to say, was he was Tai Chi still like a like a young lion? I think so. I'm pretty sure technically, uh, but again, like he got in a good chunk of offense down the stretch and like landed a couple like slaps to the face, which of course only pissed everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't even seen the match. I'm just like, oh yeah. You can imagine what happened. Yeah. <laughs> That's your ass, Mr. Postman. Uh do you want to do twenty through sixteen? Sure. Yeah. Yes. So twenty. Very polarizing match for me and probably one of the toughest to place. And you'll know why. It was Tam Nakano versus Julia <laughs> from Stardom All-Star Grand Queendom. We've talked enough about it on this show. Tam defeats Julia to win the Wonder or the World of Stardom Championship and really kind of began my slow descent away from stardom. However, gotta give credit to the match. It was fucking amazing. You know, shock finish, of course. I gave it five stars in the moment. I regret that. However, <laughs> it's still, again, I thought about it a lot. I'm like, where is this motherfucker going to land? Like, that, it took me that was the one thing that, not to, I hate to cut you off, but that was no, the hardest part of this whole process. You can put the, you know, here's your five, if you're six five star matches, you're eight, yep. seven, apart. How do you seven, differentiate five. between the yeah, like, best the better yep. of the five star matches? That was the hard part. The, you know, Figuring out, you know, with where, you know, here's the 50 best matches. Okay, we got that part. Now it was like, okay, where do you rank this bad boy? Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 19, Will Ospreay, his first entry here of many versus Naomichi Marafuji from Marafuji's 25th anniversary debut show. Dream match, literally, you know, especially for Will Ospreay. Just, you know, not no stakes involved here but just incredible, incredible action and great mutual respect shown. 18 is the aforementioned Yuma Aoyagi versus Kento Miyahara from All Japan's Raising an Army Memorial Series. Yuma, as the champ, defeats and retains Kento. I believe it's the first Triple Crown Championship match against Kento that he won in any form or fashion, so it was a big deal. Um, he, in the beginning, Yuma kind of playing a little Healy, you know, fucking with the crowd, grabbing a Kento scarf, wiping his ass with it. It's like, oh, I do remember that. <laughs> I never seen this side of him before. Um, you don't see that shit very often. I was like, yeah. oh, I like And then, of, of course, the post-match when Nakajima shows up, his first time in all Japan in a suit with some flowers and fucking smacks Kento in the face with him and starting the trajectory that he is on now. 
And uh, yeah, I thought the match was just excellent. And clearly you did too, because it's going to be on yours. 17. Uh, another one I believe you may have a little higher than me. Will Ospreay versus Zack Sabre Jr. from New Japan's Royal Quest 3. You know, we talked about it at the time. It's like, didn't quite get to that five-star level for me, but it was obviously an incredible match. No doubt about it. Crowd was fired up, of course, with two of, let's say, the two best British wrestlers in the world right now and two of the best of all time, bar none. Just an absolute clinic yet again. And then 16, stardom, Mina Shirakawa versus Saya Kamatani at All-Star Grand Queendom. Mina finally gets her revenge for Saya breaking her face the year before. Saya getting the yips out of that, you know, something we talked about. It's like she just didn't quite ever look the same after that until the match with Hazuki, which will be on my list as well. And then this one is like, wow, okay, Saya Kamatani, back to form. Two incredible, incredible matches. And this one, I think I may have even, maybe not a full tear, but definitely shed a little bit of a tear here, seeing Mina, you know, have her moment, oh, get yeah, that so. big win. Unfortunately, it didn't last too long because of fucking Tam Nakano. However, um, at the time, it was something special. So there's my next five. Let's hear yours. Uh 20, I have Mox versus Despy at Independence Day. I believe that was the 7-5 show. It's the second show of the Independence Day. Uh, this is the main event. So the night before, they basically have a death match and, and a tag team episode. And then the next night, it's just Mox and Despy doing the same damn thing over again. For the guy that doesn't like death matches, for this to even be on my list, says I, a lot. About I'm surprised. Yeah, how, how highly I thought of this match and where I'm going to make sure that I got this bad boy in. Mox versus Despy at 20. 19, we're going back-to-back Despy, but this time his opponent is Teton in the BSOJ semifinal. That's a 526 at number 19. 18, the first and probably the only mention of somebody that we all know and love. Maybe some of us don't love him anymore. Chris Jericho versus Takeshita mm. at um, DDT Ultimate Party. Uh, 11, 20, oh, no, I'm sorry, 11, 13 being the, uh, the date on that. I thought this was one of Chris Jericho's best moments of the year. You know, at least in ring for sure. Uh, Takeshita was just Takeshita. I mean, you know, the more I see him, the more I just love him. And I want to go back and watch more of his old stuff to see the rise of Takeshita. To see I got you. To this, look, you, you know, just throw me a break. You know, you boy, watch it. Uh, 17, I have Marafuji versus Jake Lee. Mm. We uh, title defense. You have a Marafuji match. It's just different than my Marafuji match. Marafuji versus Jake Lee, uh, Majestic, uh, five fourteen being the match date on that. And then 16, another Will Ospreay, at least the first Will Ospreay mentioned on my list. Will Ospreay versus Yona Suji mm. at Destruction of Kobe. Uh, <laughs> that is the uh, nine twenty four. We saw Yona Suji come out and shock the world quote-unquote, in his debut match. This was the follow-up, and I thought this was just as impressive, if not even more so. So, yeah, there's uh, 20 through 16 for me. No surprise. That one's a little higher on my list. your boy. And then I have two that are in, like, the 26 to 50 range, that being Mara Fuji and Jake Lee at 38. I think that was Jake Lee's best match since he's come to Noah. 
Yeah, for sure. Um, and then I had Despy and Mox at 40. Um, let's talk about the crowd for those shows. That's also probably going to come up later on. But like the most non-New Japan crowd of New Japan history, you know, they were loud. They were rowdy. The June Kasai moment, like I meant to rewatch it, but when he came out for his entrance, that is like the nuttiest I've heard a crowd go. And it's Cork and it ain't the Tokyo Dome, so it's confined. And it just, that crowd was going bonkers. They were doing the, uh, fuck, what were they chanting? There was, they were doing a chant in English that is common. Like a holy shit. They were doing the, they were doing a holy shit chant, but just, those those crowds made those shows epic to me, and I want to Western influence. Yes, because you, don't get me wrong, Corgan could get you know loud just like any other venue can, but there was definitely English, Western, whatever word you want to use in the sense influence on the match in certain points where it just made that match, both matches, the tag match and the uh, the singles with Despy and Mox, uh, just, you know, really good nights of wrestling where it was just memorable moments where one of these moments I do have on my list as a moment of the year. Mm-hmm. We'll hold on to that for just a second. We're just going to put that one in the pocket. We call that a teaser, boys and girls. Mm. Um, nothing on your list. Of, I don't have Marifuji and Osprey on my list. If I, if I did a 50, I'm sure that would be on that, you know, 26 through 50 next year. We'll just do a 50. We'll just do, you know. Here's the you know, two separate lists. Yeah, I mean, now that you've done oh, it once, you can do it again and double it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> say, easy, big fella. Let me get to 50 first. But no, <laughs> I was going to say, I'll be curious to see next year when I do the 50 where how comparable our lists are for sure. But that's probably the one that's on that should be on my list that isn't. But like I said, maybe that's a, a 475 for you and it's a 425 for me. I know I remember thinking highly of this match. And the fact that you you had just two guys going out with, you know, I won't say mentor and student, but, you know, Will Ospreay clearly looked up to Marifuji. His and clearly, yeah, influenced him. Yes. <laughs> to say the least. So, yeah, I think that it's a safe bet that you can say that Will Ospreay has uh, Marifuji, you know, thoughts. And that especially with the flips, you know, the heel kick. The heel kick is just like, you know, mm. it's a thievery of Marifuji, and I ain't mad for it. I think, you know, Will Ospreay does an amazing heel kick. And when he does it, like, you know, I get the same reaction that I do with Marifuji. It's just kind of like, ooh, damn, man, you know that motherfucker hurts. So, yeah. Um, let's go. I'll go next. Uh, yes, 15 sir. through 11. 15, I have Go Shiozaki versus Manabu Soya in the N1 uh, tournament. This was, I think, for Soya, this was his breakout tournament. Was this the first or the second one? This is the second one. So this okay. is this kind of the tiebreaker match or whatever. Yeah, this is the tiebreaker match. Yeah, so they both yeah. had wrestled. Both were awesome, by the yeah, way. And, and Neither the made fact, my list, but both were great. The fact that we even get a scenario like this, because I think it was uh, Tama and Shingo were some, yeah. we could have done it uh, in the. the Would have been nice. And didn't get it. Now, all of a sudden, in the end one, we're getting the moment where now we have a tiebreaker after both guys wrestled earlier tonight. I'm like, shit, let's get this motherfucker on. So let's be specific. Go versus Soya part two, the yeah. tiebreaker match in the end one. Uh, that's the 
827 match. Yuma versus Kento. We both talked about that. That's my f- number 14 match. 13, I have Teton versus Master Wado. So this mm-hmm. is the J final uh, yep. on the 528. I thought this was both guys just masterpiece moment. You, if you'd have told me this was the BSOJ final before it started out, I'd laughed in your fucking face. And the fact that both guys got there and then performed on a high level, I think that it had to be, at least for me, it had to be on my list. Now here's a first time where we both repeat uh, a match on both lists. Chris Brooks versus Yuki Ueno from DDT Ultimate Party. This is Yuki Ueno beating his best friend, Chris Brooks, for the biggest prize in DDT. That, for me, is number 12. And then at number 11, surprisingly, but I did look at it, and I was like, damn, I did write this pretty high. ELP versus Will Ospreay from the G1. I believe that is 8-6, if I can read my handwriting correctly. This was Will Ospreay to be in Will Ospreay, but more so about ELP proving that he can hang with Arguably, at this time, one of the best in the world. Now, at this point, we all know that he is the best in the world, whether you want to agree with it or not. This, to me, showed me that ELP could hang with anybody he wanted to in the squirrel circle if it came to it by himself. So, yeah, that's my uh, 15 through 11. Good shit. Yeah, I had ELP and Osprey at 27, so just missing the cut for me. Funny enough, I remember watching this match specifically because – Tara was staying with me in Louisville, and it was when she had her foot injury, so she couldn't really do a whole lot. But she was, like, falling asleep, and, like, I had worked all night. She, she like, stayed at my house and just hung out while I was at work. I get, I get home, and I'm like, I know you're getting ready to fall asleep, but do you mind if I watch this? <laughs> so she's, like, trying to fall asleep as I'm watching this and just, like, losing, losing my shit. Yeah, so definitely a memorable one for me. Uh, Brooke, Brooks Ueno, as I mentioned, was 24 on my list. Didn't really talk too much about it, but just what a barn burner. You know, I was just a little bummed to see Chris Brooks lose because, you know, it was such a big deal when he won, and he had such a great run with it. Such a great run. He will be mentioned in some of my awards later. But so happy for baby Ibushi, Yuki Ueno, truly taking the torch from that bum kota bushi no i'm just being mean now i'm just being mean now um but just a great match great moment you know just so fast paced hard hitting so many great near falls excellent stuff uh teton wato will be on my list coming shortly so i will hold my thought for that yuma kento as i mentioned was 18 and go soya neither made my list but both were definitely close just great great stuff and Soya will certainly be mentioned later by me in the awards, not as much the matches, um, but what a fucking year he had last year. No shit. I say, uh, I'm, even though he did lose to Keto at the uh, the one two show, which you know, not a huge surprise. The national title, I don't think, is beyond the realm of possibility. I know we're both GLG guys, huge Jack Morris guys. You know, mm-hmm. you mean Jackie Two Belts? Yeah, it's sublime all day, but I don't know. I, I would be real interested to see if uh, Soya and Jack Morris cross paths, and if they do, who, who comes out on top. But uh, go ahead, 15 yeah. through 11. 
Well, quick little sidebar. Did you happen to watch Jack Morris versus Titus Alexander yet? I haven't yet. I'm okay. sure that Jack Morris won. So I'll hold my tongue then because there was a little interesting post-match nugget that happened, and it was definitely a very fun match. First singles match of Titus Alexander I've seen. I know you're a lot more familiar with him than I, but he was definitely impressive. Okay. I'm going to say uh, a buddy of mine, I know on uh, Twitter, sent me uh, a couple of matches he saw on uh, uh, YouTube or whatever, like West Coast Pro, you know, heavyweight mm-hmm. champion. And I saw him on uh, in November in Noah. That was his debut match. He was like in a six-man tag. And I knew of him right away because, I, you know, obviously yeah. I've seen him beforehand. But, no, I'm, I'm very curious. That's on my list of uh, – things to watch this weekend i was I'm gonna, gonna say i think uh he performs in this match and uh, he'll be one to watch in 2024 i think I'm, How, I'm, is he going to stay in japan or is he going to come back to the states do you know let's just say based on how that ended it looks like he's leaving for now but coming back okay so, fair enough. we'll leave it at that so, all right my, got, good thing i got the red bull here go ahead 15 through 11. my 15 is a Pre-All Japan subscription All Japan match, but this was from early in the year. Yuma Aoyagi and Naoya Nomura versus Kento Miyahara and Takuya Nomura, brothers, from All Japan New Year Giant Series Night 5. It was January 22nd for the AJPW World Tag Team Championship. (laughs) Holy shit, this was just an incredible tag match. This was our very first homework assignment. That's correct. Yeah, I was going to say, I know we watched this as well. So, yeah, good, good memory there. And just an absolute ripper of a tag match. Damn. Callbacks to- I, you know, that should have been my cue. I should have been watching right then because now <laughs> it saved me a whole bunch of grief. Um, but just kind of a similar vibe to the all Japan 90s that just, you know, had incredible tag matches over and over and over. One of which we've watched. It's one of the best tag matches ever. Um, but yeah, just incredible stuff there. 14, Chris Brooks versus Yuji Hino, DDT Wrestle Pan. This is when Wrestle Peter Pan, excuse me. This is when Brooks won the KOD championship. Just a very emotional, great match. There was like a pretty emotional like video package beforehand of like Brooks talking through his whole history and career and life that's like all right, this motherfucker's got to be winning, right? But like, <laughs> the match, I remember watching this in Louisville with my roommate, and my roommate liked wrestling and was all would be down, but like didn't follow it currently. But like watched this with he and his girlfriend, and like we were all getting hy- hyped up and fired up. So very fun watch for that one. Thirteen. Nakajima versus Kento Miyahara from Noah, One Night Dream, 715. This was the first match they had of two last year because the second was on New Year's Eve, 1231. Yeah, just incredible stuff here, obviously. We'd seen them tangle in a six-man tag at some point prior to this. I can't remember when or where it was. But, like, there was – No, it wasn't that because – Nakajima wasn't in that main event, but um, which you'll be hearing from me soon. Um, but anywho, bad blood from their early days coming up in Kensuke office under Kensuke Sasaki, and clearly they never got along, and it was just an incredible match. So 12, I have Saya Kamatani versus Hazuki, Stardom Triangle Derby. 
from three four wonder of stardom championship this is one i've wanted to rewatch and did not um just wasn't able to get to it i did rewatch a good chunk of these before ranking them actually but i just remember in the moment like obviously you and i have been big hazuki guys from the day we started this show mm-hmm. we've talked enough about the disappointment of the five star last year or excuse me 2022 when hazuki got wow. shot out of a cannon only to fall flat um and this match like t-shirts printed and shit. <laughs> <laughs> not that i expected hazuki to win necessarily but i was definitely pulling for as much as i still love saya but just I remember there being just some dynamite near falls in this match. I think it went near 30. Just incredible stuff. Can't wait to watch it again one day for sure. Not on my list. I'm disappointed in myself. Mm. This is why D50. So <laughs> this is the motivation I need to do 50. <laughs> well, and it obviously makes it easier on me considering I have a spreadsheet of the whole fucking year running through these. So I'm going through, through my notebook like, all right, let's find the fives. Let's find the Hey, fives. we can always add a tab for you on the 2024 <laughs> You're spreadsheet. Dark side. No, <laughs> I mean, He's shit, you probably, watch, you probably watch more than me, so why not? Let's go, baby. <laughs> all I right. I want to know how many stars I would give out on just on this this side of the ledger, okay? It's, for it's enough the, to make me a little uh, disappointed in my life where I feel like I need to just go out and get a mail order bride or something. For the record, <laughs> though, because it's right in front of me, I had 753 matches at four stars and above in 2023, which is insane. And that is a total star count of 3192.5 god damn man <laughs> just hey, thank you thank you <laughs> i'm a more hey, hey i love you for it okay <laughs> that is dead to k shun that uh-huh. being said my dedication is just to watch it, and I'll I'll talk about it on Twitter. That's it. I just can't. I, well, I, that that's the thing. You are so diligent about tweeting when you watch the match. It's like I could never do that shit. So okay, so we each got our shit. Yeah, that that's my spreadsheet. So you can we say you know. Yep. I, I watch this shit, and it's you know I got the you know the uh, the evidence to prove it. What I can tell you is we're both uh, fucking marks. I shouldn't use that word, but I'm sorry. That's just retarded. <laughs> Man, no way. See, that just thank you, Azar. That's that's brilliant work on Azar's side as well. The unofficial uh, statistic statistician for ESP, but I mean man, that, All that's right. I will never be able to do that. In, Let in, me get to number 11 here, which you've already mentioned in your cycle here, and that is Master Watto versus Teton, best of the Super Juniors final. What can I add that you said? I mean, it was just incredible, you know, the most unlikely final in any major tournament that I can remember since I've started following Japanese wrestling, and they certainly delivered and then some. Uh, it was The crowd was going ballistic. Both guys were going ballistic. It I wasn't was just, even really sure who I wanted to win that. I match. know. I think I was pulling for Teton just because yeah, LIJ, obviously. Yeah, I mean, but, I'm a mark, you know, what can I say? But it wasn't like it, Master Watto did anything where I was like, oh, you know, you you can't win anymore. I mean, his story was just as good, if not better. I mean, 
hell, it was like a year year ago, a year ago or so before this. Master Wilder wasn't even thought about at this no. point. You know, I kept saying, you know, people would laugh at me. Bill would be laughing at me. I'd be like, oh, you know, Master Wilder's open. He might break out. He'd be like, Wilder, yeah! just laugh me off the fucking stage. And now I felt like, you know, this was like redemption for me. See, I was like, I told you he'd be good, doing something good. I'm looking for big things for Wilder in 24, whether it's him and Despy for the uh, junior title or him and Despy going after the junior tag title as well. Despy Watto was one of the interesting stories of 2023 when it comes to the uh, the New Japan side of wrestling, and it, it it's the it's the old eye couple. You know they're not they're not meant to get along. You know. Wado was trying to give him the shirt, the Despy the shirt, the whole tournament through. Despy wasn't having it. And then slowly but surely through combat and, you know, the, the way, you know, in Despy's mind it's supposed to be, they became a team. I will not be surprised. I'll just use this as what my bold prediction of uh, 2024. One of them. I'm sure there'll be more dumbass predictions, but I'll go with this one is this one. Despy Wado is going to win the junior tag titles at some point in 2024 i can't tell you when because obviously it's not going to happen right away but i will be very very surprised somehow some way that they don't win the junior tag titles pro prediction there you go and i do agree i think they're probably also going to have a singles match for despy's junior title junior heavyweight it just makes too much sense yeah yeah that's a great say you got to at least have them go against each other after having this love fest when they uh did their uh super junior tag league run uh in november or whatever the case may be yep all right we're All right, do you, do you want me to stick with me here for my... Yeah, let's go 10 through 5. On, 10, through, uh, 10 through 6. We'll 10 through say, 6. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, we're in the top 10, baby. Whew. Okay, my number 10 is Kazuchika Okada, Yuma Aoyagi, and Keno versus Kento Miyahara, Kaito Kiyomiya, and Hiroshi Tanahashi, the main event of the... New Japan, Noah, All Japan, All Together Again show. We talked a good amount about it, especially at that time. And, you know, a lot since then of just how, you know, that whole show top to bottom wasn't like the best quality wrestling, but it was just so much fun to see just the different pairings, the different matchups among all the companies. The crowd was having a great time. But this main event for me just clicked so much and then some like, just to see, you know, the Okada Keno story of like those two guys not really kind of getting along. And then at some point, like Yuma was really kind of the push and pull between them of like, guys, we're all on the same team here. And then finally, at one point, like all three of them end up coming together, triple teaming. I don't remember who it was at the time, but like that was a fun little storyline. Of course, uh, the Okada Kaito storyline, which they'd certainly they'd had their singles match earlier in the year, but still a lot of bad blood there. And it was just so much fucking fun. Just so many cool moments during that match. And I just loved it so much. Uh, number nine, Chris Brooks versus Kazu Sada Higuchi, the king of, king of DDT final 521. This was what earned Brooks the championship match against Hino that I already mentioned. And again, this was just nuts. And there was a moment where Brooks like threw like a big metal box of some sort right into the head of Higuchi and he fucking no sold it. 
just like he always does. That guy's head is literally made of bricks, and I fucking love it. And this another match that I wish I, I, I know I put a star rating on it, and I probably just floated right by it and didn't re- realize. You know, it's this is a at least a four star match for me, and it's oh. probably the match that put DDT. I went five on this shit. Okay, that's what I was yeah. going to say. I know yeah. I, I, I thought very highly of this match. So we are officially now in my land of five stars. Every match from nine and on is a five star match for me. So number eight, actually, no, this one isn't funny enough, but you'll understand why it ranked this high. And that is Sonata versus Yoda, mother fucking Suji from Dominion. Oh my God. What? Uh, Suji's going to be brought up a lot the rest of the night. So I'll try and keep this short here. It was just one of the most unbelievable, surreal, felt like an acid trip type of thing, just watching this unfold in front of you. One, just the entrance alone, the music the big fucking grin that we've gotten accustomed to. And it's just like, who is this guy? You know, it's like we see him as a young lion and, you know, they're just wearing the black trunks. They don't really have any character. We talked about seeing him at Royal Quest 2 against Ishii, doing his flips, looking great. And it's like, oh, my God, this guy might be something. And then fast forward to to Dantaku or whenever he first showed up and just lays out Sonata and it's like, oh my God, are they shooting him right to the main event? They no, sure are. Like, and no, is this Joker getting ready to win the title? <laughs> I know, and that's the thing. It's like in the course of the match, he looked so fucking like good. No way he's getting ready to win the title, right? <laughs> and just near falls, near falls, and credit to Sonata too. He had a hell of a performance here. And this, my this God, this is not a booking. Yeah, this is just a match that I will never, ever, ever forget. And it was one of the most surreal things I've seen in wrestling and just incredible stuff. Uh, number seven, Yuji Hino back again versus Kazusada Higuchi. DDT Sweet Dreams all the way back in January 29th of last year. Just two big meaty men slapping meat beef boys doing their thing. This was a rematch from the tournament, the DDT's tournament at the end of 2022, where they went to a 30 minute draw. And it's just two guys just letting each other pummel each other the entire time, even laughing about it at points. And it was just unbelievable. And again, kind of shocked by the result in the moment. Um, Hino ended up hitting like two big power bombs on Higuchi. And I remember talking about it at the time. It's like the, when the ref's hand went down for three, I was just devastated. Uh, mostly. I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, this and motherfucker that, is bad. So you bad, bad. <laughs> yeah. And that ain't no slight to Yuji Hino at all because I thought, you know, he didn't have the longest reign, but like that guy is so entertaining and charismatic and kudos to him. I know he's in like semi-retirement now to spend more time with his kids. So Yuji Hino, I hope you're enjoying life. Um, And number six, Will Ospreay versus you know who, Yoda motherfucking Suji. You mentioned it earlier, but from what is it? Destruction in Kobe 924. What do you got to (laughs) say? I mean, you know, coming into it, it's like, don't call it a comeback. Who's <laughs> gonna win this one? And again, yeah, right. yeah he, this is where it starts getting 
like you said, this is the land of the five stars. At least for me, it's it's this four and a half. Well, not four and a half, four, seven, five, five stars, depending on where, uh, what you like, what you don't like, whatever the case may be. So I don't have any of those on my top 10, but I the uh, Hino Higuchi, I remember watching that. I was like, okay, this is going to be one of those matches that is going to be guys beating the dog shit out of each other. And the uh, Higuchi match before that, that was, like like I said, that was my first uh, Chris Brooks and uh, Higuchi. That was my first mm-hmm. real introduction to DDT. And I was like, you know, if I can just, you know, pick, cherry pick this shit, I can watch this shit. I can't watch, you know, six hours of this crazy shit. But if you give me the good matches, at least the matches you think I would like, I can watch that shit. So for me, DDT is not, you know, in rotation, but I'll pick my head in every now and then moving into uh, the 2024 to, uh, to see what's going on. And that's kind of where I'm at at this point, too, honestly, you know. It's yeah, that was going to say that unless the only thing that's in real rotation is things that are for the BFR side of the world. Outside of that, New Japan is probably the the only promotion I can say right now that's, you know, whenever a show comes out, I'm watching it. Mm-hmm. No, it's you, probably that too. And then, you know, stardom has kind of fell off just because that's my own personal thing. TJPW, <laughs> picked the shit out of that whenever possible. And then uh, All Japan and, uh, you know, DDT would be, you know, if, if something big is happening, you know, we have the ability to watch that. All right. And then now I'm fucking getting into Dragon Gate, too. Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah. I was going to say Dragon <laughs> Gate doing some things, too. I was like, man, what the fuck? Do I do? We'll no, leave that I mean, one on the table for now. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm, I'm over here having the discussion. Like, you ain't getting Dragon Gate. <laughs> you ain't getting Dragon Gate. <laughs> like, you already got All Japan, motherfucker. <laughs> All right, let's get into your top 10, baby. Top 10. At number 10, we're going uh, something a little off the uh, reservation. But for me, this was a five-star match, and I had to look at it. It was like, oh, yeah, I do remember that. Okada versus Osprey in the G1, 727. Just another another chapter in the Will Osprey Okada series. But in this case, Osprey does go over. I think that's always, you know, the, the one few times that Will Osprey gets a win over Okada. I think it's always to be memorable. So in that scenario, I had to tip the hat to that. At number nine, back to stardom, I have Utami versus Mayu Iwatami. Stardom by stardom, uh, eight. 13, if I can read, read my handwriting correctly. Uh, I th- this is one of those matches where it was back and forth. It was highlighted by, I believe, the uh, Poison Rana Moonsault by yes. um, Mayu Utani coming Just off insane the insane every time. I've never seen no shit like that before, <laughs> and I still haven't seen anyone else do it besides me, Iwatani. So at that point, it, it was already a banger match, and that to me was the cherry on top of the cake for that bad boy. Uh, at eight, one is probably a surprise to most, not a surprise to me. Suzu Suzuki versus Julia at mm-hmm. Supreme. Uh, I remembered you went five on this. Five stars on that Supreme Friday at on uh, two four, so that's uh, February fourth. This was basically Suzu Suzuki's breakout moment. I, I didn't really get a chance to see her beforehand, and you're, argue, you're putting her against arguably one of the best on the roster. I can't believe Tony Khan's not even trying to sign this woman. Anyway, um, I thought this was an amazing match. The fact that they had past beef coming into this match always intrigues me because I love, you know, 
there's already a built-in storyline for this shit. Perfect, you know, throw the beef on the grill and let's cook that jet bad boy up. Mm. I love this match. I got that at number eight. Number seven, I have a QQ of that Queen Quest versus mm. uh tie at uh Stardom Sunshine. Uh so that was 625. So this is the cage match. Yeah, one of the few cage matches stardom ever does, but now, in this case, all the chips are on the table, and the loser of the fall had to leave their unit. In this case, that was uh, uh, Saki Kashima yeah. lost in the uh, the very last part of the match. This was highlighted again by uh, Saya Kamatini at the top of the uh, the cage, trying to, at least in my mind, trying to decide who she was going to hit with the bat, whether it's going to be Utami or Nankatsu, and she hits Nankatsu with the bat to put Queen's Quest over and get them the victory. So it was a it was a nice build to the story, and this to me was the cherry on top of the cake. And then at number six, I have Shingo versus Okada. New beginnings at Osaka. That is two eleven. This is another classic Shingo Okada just banger ass match. This was five stars for me. So like I said. I, clearly, I thought highly of this. Um, just back and forth, you know how they do it. And this was a scenario where nothing was really on the line. There was no title on the line. There was no. To me, it was just a, basically a bragging rights episode. Where it was for the title. Actually. It was. No, that's yeah, right. Okada was champ. Was champion at that point. Okay, there you go. Makes me feel even better. I think um, it was his first defense after he beat Jay. At Okada, the yeah, I was going to say that Shingo came out and basically was like, you know, I was champion in the pandemic. Now, you know, that, you know, we got fans back. This is my time to be the champion again. That match is still coming for me, too, baby. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I loved it as well. In that scenario, <laughs> this match wasn't in front of fans beforehand. And now Shingo tries to get his title back in front of a raucous ass crowd in Osaka. So yeah, this was uh for me one of the top ten matches of the year. I'd have it at number six. Yeah, I mean I'll just tell you I have it at five. So that's coming next for me. Yeah. <laughs> just incredible stuff. Um just I just remember the last seven, eight minutes just being fucking ridiculous. Just you know, back and forth, big move, big move, near fall, near fall, counter count. You know, everything we look for in an epic New Japan title match. This has in spades. <laughs> yeah, I had the Queen's Quest Odeo tie at 44. You know, still loved it. Uh, you know, great match, but didn't, you know, just wasn't quite as high as you yeah, on it. But just love the, shit. That's awesome. the drama was so high and just a very unique type match. Um Julia Suzu, Utami Mayu, and o both narrowly missed my top 50. Both definitely in the conversation. Incredible matches. And then I had Okada Osprey at 39. So, you know, not one of their best matches, but that's not really saying much because they've had some absolute yeah, classics. Goddamn, you know, you just hate put, put up a masterpiece against, you know, a very good match and not look at the masterpiece first. So, no, I totally understand that without question. But still just tremendous and, you know, huge moment for Osprey getting the win. All right, motherfucker, let's hear your top five. Let's go. Top five. Uh, at number five, I have ZSJ versus Will Osprey. That's World Quest 3. Uh, obviously, you'd already talked about it. Uh, 1014 being the date. Unfortunately for you, at number four, I have Tam versus. I knew it was coming. I mean, we both went five stars on it. So. This, 
I, putting the my personal feelings aside for what happened after with everybody with Tam with Julia with Stardom in general looking at this match I remember how invested I was in this match how great this match was and it needed to be up towards the top at least for me I got it at number four number three I have Shoto Umino versus Will Ospreay from Power Struggle I believe that's the mm-hmm. 11-4 show this was Shoto Umino was already over but now he's really the fuck over because now he's drugged uh, John Moxley out here he's had a barn burner with Will Ospreay to once again if you didn't know now you know Shota Umino is probably going to be an IWGP World Heavyweight Champion at some point. It's just, you know, the when and where it's going to happen. Renarita yep. is going to probably be right there trying to make sure he slips on the banana peel. That's an already written story, but we'll talk about that when it happens. Shota versus Will Ospreay at number three. Number two, I have the Nakajima versus Kenta Miyahara one-night dream match from 715. Wow. This was, well, to me, this was my introduction to Kento Miyahara. Mm-hmm. I already knew who the fuck uh, Nakajima was, but to me, this was the first time I've seen Kento Miyahara and how charismatic he was, what they had, you know, the uh, 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 history between the two guys in the ring, and then it translated into a 45-minute banger-ass match where I was like, oh, somebody's going to have to end this joke <laughs> at some point. This is ridiculous. It was everything that you would want to see in a debut match. If somebody said, hey, I know this guy, you know, this guy named Kenta Miyahara, this is the match I want you to watch. This would be a great representation for both guys, especially the guy that, you know, you've never seen before. And at number one, sorry, not sorry, it has to happen. He doesn't have a a damn award named after him for this year, so he's got to be on top of the best matches of 2023. Osprey Omega, Wrestle Kingdom 17, enough said. Yep. I am shocked, for one, that two matches in my top five are not even on your list, and they both have Tetsuya Naito in them. <laughs> <laughs> so you let me just... You thought, more, you thought better than both. Than so that. let me just... I'll just blow through these real quick, and then we'll oh. just have a little discussion. Number five... Kazuchika Okada versus Shingo, already mentioned. Number four, Naito versus Okada, G1 final. Number three, Naito versus Will Ospreay, G1 semifinal. How that's not on your list, I don't fucking know. <laughs> Number two, Will Ospreay, Shota Umino. God damn it, we're so fucking good. And then, of course, number one, Osprey Omega. It could be nothing else. It is probably top 10 all time for me. I prefer it to the Forbidden Door match. I know you prefer the Forbidden Door match. Both of them, to me, are top 20, 25 matches ever. But the one in the Tokyo Dome, one, like Kenny got like 70% of the offense in, which was just shocking. The moment, you know, pushing Osprey, putting him through the table when he was already bloodied and like kind of the here's Kenny (laughs) moment and just – you know, yeah, was- that, that's a great that's one of the better moments and it, I, I had to go back and watch this because I was like you know how great is this and I know it's great I mean you know it's like an all time classic it, it's almost like Will was getting catching that work for a little bit he got worked yeah no doubt he had his moments but then there was you know and it felt like you know this was his, his hope spot like Bill always likes to call it and then it would just get snuffed out by Kenny I was just like eh Damn, damn, you know, damn, come on. It showed how fucking great 
Kenny Omega still is as well. It's like sure. we've talked, we've all, every podcast in the world, every pundit in the world has sucked off Will Ospreay. No much deservedly so. Yeah. But I want to put out there that Kenny Omega is still, pardon the pun, elite. He's still one of the best wrestlers in the world. This match and many, many others he had last year proved it. The guy's just, he's one of the best ever, plain and simple. I don't care what you think about him. He is one of the greatest professional wrestlers that has ever lived. Couldn't agree more. Quick sidebar before we start passing out some awards. I thought about this when Kenny got hurt, and I was like, wow, do you, maybe those matches against Will Ospreay kind of, I don't want to use the word, the, the, the phrase shorten his career, but led to this point where now he's hurt and he's going to be hurt. He's going to be out for an extended period of time. Do you, we're just, we're just speculating here. Do you think those matches helped, hurts? Obviously it helped his legacy. We're, we're not even talking legacy. Do, do you think those matches against Will Ospreay, ultimately hurts him physically to now where he has to be on the shelf for an extended period of time. I mean, no doubt, but I think it's just everything he did during his run in Japan. Like, you go back and watch him from specifically 2017 and 18, the Okada matches, you know, the matches with Naito. There's so many where he was just putting it on the fucking line every single time. And, I mean, if I were to We'll sit down and try and put together my all-time list, which I've definitely done before, but it's been a little while. It's like Kenny Omega is going to be in a good chunk of my top 25 of all time because just – there really so? Yeah, he's – you know, he was Will Ospreay before Will Ospreay, you know, in a different sense. But it's like this is the guy – other than Okada, but, they, you know, they're different styles. Kenny, you know, definitely, you know, more well-known to the Western fan base. It's like, this was Will Ospreay. This was the guy that was the best wrestler in the world, bar none, for those couple of years. So, it's just, you know, then AEW and people hate AEW and whatever. That's fine. It's just like, and you got Jim Cornette always throwing shade at Kenny Omega. It's like, you know what, Jim? Fuck you. And fuck everyone else who doesn't think Kenny Omega is great. He doesn't have to be your favorite. You don't even have to like him. But it's like you have to acknowledge he is one of the greatest of all time, period. Agreed. Agreed. But before before we move on, I want to know why specifically Naito Osprey did not make your list and also the G1 final. It just became that it came down to the star ratings and ultimately I – if I if I had to say I like one more than the other, I'd probably say I like the uh, the Okada uh, Naito final more so than I did the uh, the Osprey Naito match. It like I said, it this boils down to stars, and there are the other matches that I had higher rated. As a Naito Mark, yeah, you can call me to the carpet on this one. I ain't got no problem with that. Yeah, no guilty as charged. No, I'm not mad by it. I'm just, I was just surprised. No, bust, no, bust my balls, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying that this is where the the way, and I'm like I said, I'm mad that I didn't do 50 because it could have been an easily. This is an episode into itself. Your top 50 matches of the year, where you look at matches 
you see matches differently than I do and vice versa. And this is a great example of it. Yeah. And I love it. Don't get me wrong. I'm just like, whoa, that was because no, to no, me, especially ball. Naito Osprey was like, I'm not going to say it's an all timer. It's pretty fucking close. It was, and again, not, you know, I think once Naito got to the G1 final, I think we all thought he was going to win. Yeah, it was, but you know, you got the final ball standing across. I know. You but just th- never know. This and- match specifically was just like, I don't know what the fuck's going to happen. You know, they had never wrestled until the year before in the semifinals of the G1, and it was sensational, and but not quite as good as this to me. And I think Naito legit got knocked out <laughs> as well yeah, towards the yeah. end. Yeah, then uh, Osprey had to carry yeah. the rest of the way. And there, then there's something to be said about that, too. So, I mean, you, that's uh, whether it's fact or fiction, you know, it just adds a little layer of uh, more, for lack of a better term, to the match itself. So, I mean, in that scenario, like I said, guilty as charged. <laughs> well, we shall officially. There's no real explanation except for, you know, I just didn't like those, those matches. That is totally fine, and we shall officially award the 2023 PSP High Twist for Match of the Year to Kenny Omega and Will Ospreay, which is no fucking surprise. (laughs) Okay, so before we get into the awards hand now, because obviously this is one we both agree on, we debated on what we were going to name the award, you know, back and forth. I'm at work, you know, in the corner, you know, doing research about phoenixes and shit. I'm looking up synonyms for the word splash. Yeah, so, of course, you know, the creative mind between the two of us, Mr. Uh, Brett Jager comes up with the name itself, High Twist. So just go over it real quick. How did you come up? Just go with the line of reasoning, the thinking when you came up with it. And, I, you know, of course, gave it my seal of approval. Yeah, I mean, I wanted to use the word high for obvious reasons, but also that uh, phoenixes fly high. And then it's like, well, we need, we're not just going to call them the highs as much as we right. like to. Yeah, you know, there were a few other words kicked around, wing, you know, f- others, but like uh, twist to me is just like, you know what? The actual move, the phoenix flash, is like a jumping flip where you twist in midair. Um, you know, and phoenixes fly high, they probably twist, and it just seemed to be the best fit. So they are the high twist awards. Unfortunately, not does not roll off the tongue or as good as the beefers as you guys <laughs> do on BFR, which is literally the perfect award name for that show. It fell in our lap, man. I brought a couple beefers with me. <laughs> God damn, that, that drop never gets old. I mean, that's a what is that from, by the way? It's a YouTube, uh, real uh okay. and i'm not even sure how bill uh found it but what he did i was just like this is this is the greatest <laughs> fucking thing ever and yeah. the, the newest one when he came out with you know he threw that out last week i was like what? <laughs> there's more <laughs> it's the gift that keeps on giving <laughs> Christmas so, is good. Late. so yeah uh beefers just kind of fell into our lap but this one we actually had to put a little a little effort into it more than I care to admit, but neither here nor there. Uh, <laughs> let's pass these jokers out. I'm just going to throw them out in just some kind of order. I know you got them written down because you're organized like that. So I'll just throw one out. You can answer it and then I'll come back behind it. Obviously, we got match of the uh, year already taken care of. So let's go with uh, another, we'll go with another big one. Nine 
Will Ospreay Wrestler of the Year. Who you got for your non-Will Ospreay Wrestler of the Year? Yes, and we also did have Female Wrestler of the Year, so this would just be men. Um, I've got a bunch written down here, and you know what's funny? is like I... I worked through and wrote a bunch of shit down, but on all of them, I didn't necessarily like circle or pick a winner. And on this one, I didn't really either. So I'm, <laughs> I'm going to run through my names and I think I know who it's going to be, but my finalists were Okada, Zack Sabre Jr., Keno. And there's a lot here, a lot more than the rest of the categories, but Okada, ZSJ, Keno, Ishii, Soya, Manabu Soya, Chris Brooks, Yuma Aoyagi, Yoda Suji, obviously, El Desperado, Hiromu Takahashi, and Katsuhiko Nakajima. So those are my two, four, six, eight, ten, eleven finalists. And man, I am going to go with Zach Saber Jr. We talked a lot about him all year. Just you know, being slept on as one of the best. You know, he was barely, you know, not featured a ton on my matches list. I think he only had one in the top 25, the Will Ospreay match. Um, but, like, so many other great matches. And, you know, the TV title didn't necessarily lend to, like, epic, you know, five-star, four, seven, five matches because they're only 15 minutes. But just night after night, time after time, so many different types of opponents. It's like I don't think any title defense he had was below 375. And like, they're just all so good, so different types of matches. And, of course, you know, we only cover Japanese wrestling here, but the motherfucker did a lot in the States in, you know, Europe as well. Like the Danielson ZSJ match, you know, that's that's probably a top tenner for the year for me overall from, uh, I think it was AEW Wrestle Dream. Yeah. Um, but, man, just the guy's unbelievable. And... Just want to give him his flowers and hopefully, hopefully, hopefully he shall get the World Heavyweight Championship in 2024. I know we talked a little bit about it last week, but I am going with Will Yum Osprey. I'm going to go Okada at two and Chris Brooks at three. I'm going to toss in there. I just think everything he did was so fucking good. But, you know, anyone on this list to me, like I said, I couldn't. That's what happened. I'm like running through all of these and writing shit down. And it's like in the moment, I just couldn't figure out who it was. And then I just never came back to it. But I'm going to go Zack Sabre Jr. What about you? No, I, I came up with Zack Sabre Jr. <laughs> okay. Yeah, nice. To me, well, it was, love it. No, I love it. it, it you really had to, you came up with names that I didn't really even think about. Uh, and then guys that, you know, we probably had on, uh, we did like, you know, here's your top five guys, top 10 guys. We probably would have came up with, you know, six or seven out of probably been, you know, relatively the same, if not the same. Uh, for me, CSJ just stands out just for the fact that he had the title, won it at Wrestle Kingdom 17, dropped it at 18. So that's basically, you know, 364 days yep. of just, you know, wrestle dominance in some form or fashion, throw in the matches that, you know, don't really count versus ZSG or versus um, Osprey versus Danielson. For me, it was a, an amazing run for uh, ZSJ. Hopefully, like you said, it leads to an IWGP, at least title match, if not, you know, a title reign. The global heavyweight title almost feels like it's made for ZSJ. You know, I'm not trying to, you know, cushion the blow for, you know, if he doesn't win it, this is the next step. But I, either or, you know, 
especially now that he's learning Japanese and he's being kind of becoming more and more fluent as others leave CSJ stays. I think it's just time for him. Like, like we said last week, it's just time for CSJ to get his flowers. Do you have a two and three? Uh, if I had to go two and three, um, I don't, but just kind of like off the top of my head, I would probably, you know, Manabu Sora would just have to be in there just for, you know, just the breakout uh, moments that he had and the, the last stretch of six months, give or take, being uh, the next guy that feels like he could be a top tier star. Noah, I would probably put him at three. Um, Okada seems like the, a safe bet. Yeah, it's just hard not to say Okada. Yeah, I mean, just, even though he, so you know, it feels like he hasn't done anything, you know. But he still had the title for the first third of the year, so you know. And then you know, kind of, you know, made the G one so, final. No, rightfully so. Just kind of been, you know, put a back to the side after the G one final. You know, he's got the never open weight six man titles with uh, Ishii and, uh, and one of the best reigns in the history of that belt, no doubt. So in that scenario, Okada's a safe bet too. That's fine. But I mean, like I said, for me, ZSJ has elevated the title, probably elevated himself into the world heavyweight title seat and is a deserving member, at least a deserving guy in this case, to get the uh, the high twist from your boy over here. So, yeah. Yeah, so we'll here. call that an official. Uh, Zach Sabre Jr., non-Will Ospreay Men's Wrestler of the Year. Well, do we want to do Women's Wrestler next? Yeah, we can do it right now since we're already talking about it. I'll go first. Uh, for me, there's one that, that – really just stands out more than anybody else. And I know we talked about this person last week, but for me, the fact that Julia lost the red belt and then won the New Japan Strong title, and it's not even really a title that a lot of people really considered as, you know, a title that really felt like anything. You know, we're waiting for Julia and Mercedes Monet that obviously hasn't happened, may not happen. Uh, at all at this point, depending on what Julia does, what Mercedes does. But for me, it was really a, a redemption story for Julia in the sense that even though the Red Belt title reign crashed and burned magnificently so quickly, she picked up, brushed herself off, kind of like a phoenix does, got <laughs> back up in the sky and, and brought the New Japan Open uh, women's open uh, weight title with her. So, yeah, for me, I don't think it's even a question who, at least for me, it's Julia and it's Julia's hands down. She's done more with less with with the stardom not really booking her as strong, taking the red belt title off of her, which, you know, obviously is still a, a moment that I'm sure is going to come up here at some point down the line. I uh. think it's one of those times where I thought Julia did with more with less that uh, that was given to her the first time around you know maybe you know she was pushed a little too hard now i think she's kind of built herself up into whatever you see before her. and now the world is her oyster she can stay in stardom she can go to wwe if she wants to she's made a name of herself and i think it's basically off of this front yeah i did have to think about this a little bit because, of course, Julia was the first name that came to mind. And, you know, I'm just like, all right, let me just make sure I do my due diligence here. But it's definitely Julia. We are in agreement here. And you didn't even mention the Artists of Stardom title run that they've had with 
Thecla and uh, uh, I, I remember. Sakurai. Yes, my Sakurai. So, yeah, like you said, you know, she was the champ for the first third of the year, first quarter of the year or so, had some great matches. Suzu, uh, Maya Yukihi, uh, that was a good one as well. But, yeah, it did come to an end way too fast. But, like you said, picked herself up, dusted herself off, stayed relevant because she's that damn good. Um and then I did have a couple other honorable mentions. I want to throw out Miyu Yamashita. I want to throw out Mina Shirakawa. And I want to throw out Micah as the current Red Belt champ, which I did not watch the match. But, you know, she's someone, obviously, we were all sad, still sad when Hameka left. But uh, Micah has certainly kind of taken the ball and run with it when she's been on her own. So, you know, definitely had to give her a shout. Yeah, that was. Uh, I did watch the match. Needless to say, very surprised to see that it was a bit with like, what? She fucking won? You're kidding me. Um, let's go with one that maybe we have difference of opinions. Uh, worst match of the year. I'll let you go first. Yes, this one was a little tough because, you know, there. First off, and my immediate thought was Abushi Mara Fuji, but it's like, oh wait, that was 2024, because uh, we can already say the high twist for 2024 worst match <laughs> of the year is that's, that's a runaway winner. <laughs> yeah, we can call it. We can call it. Um, so you know, I had to do a little digging, and it was tough, but I, I, I'm, this is not my answer, but one that I at least threw if out you, was if you come up with the right answer. I'm laughing my ass off. <laughs> I had Naito Shota not as my winner, but on there only in the sense of just sheer disappointment. And I think we talked about it a little bit last week. You know, it was a main event. I can't remember what show. Uh, you know, Shota's not going to say his first big match because he'd had matches with Osprey already, but like his, to my knowledge, first big main event. You know, Naito, obviously a veteran. He's great. He's been there a long time. It's like you'd think he'd be able to carry him through this, but it just did not work at all. And Naito seemed kind of disinterested. Um, so nice to see where both guys are at now. Um, another one I'm going to toss out is Evil David Finley from the G1. Um, it's just, you know, it's one of those where it's like they could do something here. You know, they're both in Bullet Club technically, you know, right. even though House of Torture and War Dogs definitely seem very, very separate. I mean, they are. They're different factions yeah, yeah. at this it's point. Two separate things for sure. But, you know, for a while, technically, you know, House of Torture was a part of Bullet Club. And it's like, OK, this could be interesting. And it just was not. And it was just so dumb, bullshit, stupid. Um, but my answer <laughs> is uh, not that long after the G1. It's Chase Owens versus Tangaloa from Destruction and Rhea Goku. Just absolute fucking dog shit. Just period. Uh, you know, I talked enough about Tangaloa, and it's like, I don't like shitting on the guy because, like, seems like a good dude, and I like, I like his energy, and, you know, he had a, a decent little run in his first G1 a few years ago. I remember but, that, but but ever since he came back from injury, it's like the guy just can't do anything. And I have no interest in seeing him whatsoever. And, you know, Chase Owens is Chase Owens. Again, I'm not going to hate on the guy, but he's nothing special. And then this this just sucked. It just really sucked. And I think I brought it up on the show. Maybe not. But 
I think it was for Wrestle Dream. Like rest, AEW Wrestle Dream was announced short around this time. Then Azar sent me like something on Reddit or something saying that Chase Owens versus Tangaloa was going to be the main event of AEW Wrestle Dream. And I bought it for like two seconds. And I'm like, what the fuck? So. My, <laughs> yeah, so my answer is Chase Owens versus Tangaloa from Destruction and Rhea Goku. What do you got? Um, one that I had to do a little digging as well because we've watched so many good matches. I'm like, man, yeah. I don't really see. I can't remember like a really. Shit. I know. So I had to break out the PSP notebook. I dug. I dug. I dug. I need to do like some color coding going forward. You know, you no know, red is bad, green is good type of shit. Uh, I'm going Fred Rosser versus Juice Robinson at, uh, I believe it was in the middle of the year. I can't remember the name of the uh, the show or whatever. This is where Tony Storm got involved. Uh, oh, yeah. Completely over the top where Fred Rosser was kind of manhandling Tony Storm or whatever. Fred Rosser basically became the, the heel as Juice became the baby face and it was totally over the top. Fred Rosser was trying to, I guess, use Tony Storm as the shield. Tony Storm plays the low blow. It was a total just. I do remember this. Yeah. Of a match where Fred Rosser doesn't look good for kind of trying to manhandle Tony Storm, even though Tony Storm can handle her own. And just the the way that I guess it was trying to do a double turn doesn't even work for me. Because at that point, once Fred Rosser is trying to go that route, I'm like, dude, this does not work for me at all. I don't even like to root for Fred Rosser that much as a wrestler. I mean, you know, personal shit aside, God bless him for it. You know, fight for gay rights, all that shit. That's great. I just don't think he's a dad, that good of a damn wrestler to begin with. And now y'all trying to do WrestleMania 13, you know, plot twist in the middle of this shit. To me, it was just too much, way over the top. I got Fred Rosser versus Juice Robinson is the worst match of the year. That's a I good answer. Something worse than that. But that was the one where I saw it. I was like, ooh, yeah. It really started to get me going. It got me in my feels, as the kids would say. So, yeah, in that scenario, we're going with Fred Rosser versus Juice Robinson. Uh, just because I saw it, let's go with Rookie of the Year. I know who you have. I know who I have. Just <laughs> say it on three. One, two. Three. Yoda, motherfucking Suji. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I actually wrote Yoda, fucking all in caps. Suji. I was about to say. I figured that was a slam dunk pick. Let's go. Hold on. I do have. I, I got a few honorable mentions here. At least. Um, I'm gonna throw out Soriano, who we discussed Three. earlier. Like, kind of came in from. I think it was Ice Ribbon or one of those other Japanese Sounds promotions, right, yeah. and really just was impressed time and time and time again Great. i got Dr drill maloney even though you know he's not technically a rookie but it's the first time i've ever really seen the guy um just so good even before yeah. you know he came in as just dan maloney part of united empire and has become the driller and he's just the man uh yuma anzai from all japan who was also in noah's n1 guy just got a very very bright future so talented. He's going to be great. And then one more I'm going to go with Ichiban Sweet Boy, Kosei Fujita. Uh, we talked a lot about him last week, you know, kind of, you know, really being the focal point of the main event of New Year's Dash with all those stars around him. 
And the guy's he's got he's 21. He's a stud. And, uh, you know, I don't think he's going to win the junior heavyweight title this year, but I definitely think he's going to get a shot. And I think he's going to have a big year. Yeah, I can't wait to see him in that six-man tag. I, I almost kind of expect TMDK to win that and then Fujita to have big moments in BSOJ if he can find a partner. And, uh, probably Robbie Eagles would be uh, his partner in uh, Super Junior Tag League. So, yeah. Um, Jose Fujita, interesting. I, I like that I like that metric pick. I wouldn't be surprised to see him. Somewhere down the line, getting in a, uh, a high twist uh, this year, or next year, 24, 25, whatever the case may be. Um, I'm not going to say this is a slam dunk, but I think I, I know what you're going to say. I know what I'm going to say. Um, we're going to go with most memorable moment. Uh, I don't know if this is a we, – we really didn't discuss this beforehand, but for me, when I think most memorable moment, there's one that just stands out, and that's Suji. And I'm just going on the moment itself. Yep. Doing <laughs> Fosbury flop over the top rope on the Sonata. That's when I was like, oh, this shit just got real. <laughs> I, and Suji was coming out doing his thing, and I just thought, you know, this is just Suji just getting, you know, getting a hot start. Sonata's going to take nope. this thing over. No problem. You know, it's just a matter of time. Once he did that Fosbury flop, and this was pretty early in the match, he did that. I'm like, oh, oh, so this motherfucker came to play. This is on. Yeah, it was basically, you know, my hello world moment come from Yoda Suji. And And just like the stomps that he had, the couple stomps throughout the match, just the the sheer force that he was just putting into that match. You know, I talked about it earlier. It's just something... I just can't imagine something like that happening again. Not on the first cup, not on the first go out. It could be, yeah. it wasn't even like Suji had like matches coming up to this. Like Yurimura's got, you know, having his, you know, few matches. Then he got his, you know, first big moment against Yoda Suji. Ren Narita, same way. Uh, Shoto Umino, same way. H had some matches, you know, to build up to their moment. This was Yoda Suji's moment right out the gate. We're putting you in the world heavyweight title spot against Sonata. Now go make it happen. And he made that shit happen. I'm like, well, God damn. <laughs> so, <laughs> that, like I said, to me, when he did that, I was like, oh, I'm totally into this match. And it changed the whole tenor of the match. I want to say two things. One, I didn't text you, but meant to, because I had given you moment of the year and most memorable moment, but it's the same thing. I figured it was basically the same thing. So, And then I have a couple honorable mentions here. I'm going to say Shinsuke Nakamura going to Noah to fight Mm. Keiji Muto. That was a very big deal and, you know, just pretty wild to see. I had this in my matches of the year, but just the all together again main event to me was a very memorable moment that that happened and was such a good, entertaining, fun match. Uh, Kaito kicking Okada in the face was uh, incredibly memorable. And really, you know, that was kind of all part of, you know, this year of all together again, of promotions collaborating 
talent sharing. As we said last week, it feels like Kaito is a New Japan, you know, contracted talent at this point. Um, now he's back and potentially feuding with Jake Lee, which is very exciting. And then yeah, last I was, one, I was like, oh shit. Last one, I just have Naito winning the G1, which was something going into it that I had said, you know, he wasn't my official pick, but I'm like, don't be surprised if this motherfucker wins one more. And you're like, nah. And I'm a pessimist, man. I like, <laughs> I want to be, you know, brought up to, you know, get my hopes up high to be kicked in the balls. I'm a Naito fan. What do you expect? You, you know, you, you want me to pick him for Christ's sake? Hell no. <laughs> So those are my honorable mentions, but the high twist, two in a row, well, maybe not two in a row, I think, eh, maybe it is, but Yoda Suji's debut. Yeah, that was going to say, uh, definitely for me, that it's the one that stands out more than any other. Uh, let's go with 12. A weird, not, I won't say weird category, but a one that made me think for a little bit. So let's go with number 12, most valuable non-wrestler so i would thought to myself so this this has got to be this somebody. was very tough for me as well yeah this has got to be somebody that is in the, the front office somebody that makes decisions somebody that has to you know look or someone along those lines so i'm thinking gato i'm thinking you know i wanted to say tanahashi but that kind of happened. That happened at the front part of yeah. 24, so you can't use Tanahashi. And so, he's still a wrestler too. So. And he's still a wrestler too. So I was like, well, fuck. You know, I tried to you know backdoor my way out, and I couldn't do it. So I was like, okay. So who's the one person that I want to say needs to have a bounce back year, but is so important to me personally that I feel like he deserves this award? For me, it's Rossi from Star. Just for the simple fact that stardom for me personally was such a down portion of 2023, especially towards the back end of it. It reminded me how much I like stardom and how much I miss stardom. And part of the reason why I like stardom is because of Rossi. Rossi's the guy that, you know, kind of put this whole thing together, bits and pieces. And now, for whatever reason, he's kind of lost his way. So now, at this point, for me personally, and I'm the, obviously, if you're watching on YouTube, you saw Brett's reaction, and that's okay. I'm not expecting us to agree. In, in fact, I like the fact that we're, we're disagreeing. I know we've been agreeing a lot here. <laughs> I say it makes for a good pot on this. Although year. our match lists were a lot you know, a lot of difference, you know, more than I thought, which is good, you know. No, you know, I say, well, wait until I do a top 50 next year. For me, Rossi is uh, is the most important non-wrestler just for the fact that he has a promotion in the palm of his hands that a, a lot of people that, you know, that are Parezu, Joshi Marks, like ourselves, watch stardom. So it's it's not like, you know, people like us don't watch it. It's for me, it's so important that stardom bounces back that I'm really, you know, I'm going to have a Red Bull tonight. I'm going to watch the first show of 2024, whatever the, uh, the, the stardom gate show is, because I want to watch it and pay attention to it and invest into it. Because I think this is for me a year that stardom needs to bounce back. As long as all the talent is there, you keep Julia, which is the, probably the most biggest thing. You got to keep Julia. I don't know what you want to do. Back breaks trucks up two, three, four at a time. Pay this woman and let's move along. If you can do those two things, I think Stardom can bounce back like anybody else's. For so for me, Rossi is the most non-important wrestler of the year of twenty twenty-three. 
interesting. I went kind of a different approach. I was thinking more like managers, commentators, but hey, the the award was vague, and I think yeah. your answer is certainly valid. I would argue that Rossi Ogawa was one of the, if not the least valuable non-wrestlers in 2023 because his booking sucked ass. But I get where you're coming from, more kind of looking ahead, and I love it. But my answer is Chris Charlton. Um, you know, mm-hmm. thought a lot about this. Gideon Gray had a lot of lot of thoughts in my head, but he kind of disappeared. Yeah, I was just starting to get used to it. But first half of the year, that motherfucker killed it. So I wanted to definitely get, like, he just got more, you know, he he comes at first and he's just like an annoying shithead. And then the more he comes around, the more he talks and gets on the mic and introduces the United Empire guys, the more I fucking loved him. Yeah, it was kind of easy to root for him to get his ass beat. Yeah, so I want to give Gideon Gray some flowers, and I hope to see more of him in 2024. I don't know if we will, especially with Osprey being gone. Yeah. But that guy for the, you know, it's probably only like three to four months that he was around consistently, but he was just so good and entertaining. But I got to give it to Chris Charlton, man, especially, you know. With Kevin Kelly leaving, you know, picking up more of the slack towards the end of the year, doing play-by-play, um, and just, you know, we talk plenty about it. Just the sheer knowledge and information that he brings to the broadcast and the shows and the passion. And, you know, the motherfucker has written books about Japanese wrestling, and he's truly living the dream. The guy was just a fucking mark like us, and now he's the commentator for New Japan. I love him so much, and he's just so wonderful. And like, he just truly adds so much to the viewing experience. So Chris Charlton is my answer. And I'm going to pull a Bill Vagy and just say, Chris Charlton is the high-twist winner of 2023 because fuck stardom. So let's go, let's go see if we double down on this. Let's go to 22, best commentary. I have Chris Charlton. Yeah, I mean – I said Chris Charlton and Kevin Kelly, you know, so yeah, that's my answer. But okay, just making sure we were on the same page. Yeah. But I want to give some love, of course, to Stuart. Uh, fuck, why Walter can't I Stewart? think? No, well, not him. Yes, oh, let's mention him. Uh, uh, Stu Fulton. Yes, let's let's say Walker Stewart. Granted, he was only in New Japan for like two months at the end of the year. He might win this award next year. Yeah, he, he's so good. He's mm-hmm. so good, and he's fucking mm-hmm. 21. It's incredible. Um, but, yeah, Stu Fulton, Mark Pickering, and Noah. And you know what? I'm even going to toss the G-man in there who made his commentary debut this past year. You know, he was just like the English ring announcer, very boisterous, always wearing his bright, sparkly green jackets. Took me a little bit to warm up to him on the mic because, one, you know, Stuart and Mark are so good. And, um, you know, it was tough for me to, like, not have Stuart there for a bit. And, like, G-Man kind of sounds a little bit like Stuart, and I'd almost get him confused sometimes. (laughs) But, like, the guy did grow on me. Because I think at first he was just, like, too much, too out there, too loud. And, like, you know. This shit, it ain't easy. And the more you do it, the better you're going to get. And I think he got better. But Stuart and Mark, two of the best in the biz. But got to give the award to Chris and Kevin. And, you know, we talked about it when Kevin Kelly left New Japan. Saying the same thing about that I just did about Chris Charlton is just the love, passion, and knowledge he had 
for New Japan was just so great and just helped the viewing experience so much. And, you know, it's nice. I don't watch Collision every week in AEW, and I still love hearing him, but it's like he's such like a backseat in AEW that it's unfortunate to me because he's just so much better than that. Um, It's not the same Kevin Kelly. Yeah, but, yeah, Kevin Kelly and Chris Charlton are the answer here. Okay, so let's jump up to giving some people some flowers, some more flowers. Let's go with uh, Breakout Star. I'm sure that you have your pick, and it's uh, same guy that's probably going to be walking out of here with a bunch of high twist awards like uh, James Campbell did. Armfuls of awards here with uh, Titanic. I'll go first because my I'm sure my pick is different. I'm going with Manabu Soya as uh, the Breakout. I love, Star. I love it. Uh, Soya to me, it, 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 it's not the same thing as Yoda Suji. Yoda Suji is a, a, an easy pick. I have no problem with that pick. I'm assuming that's your pick. You know what? I mean, yes, but I'm going to pick someone else just because it's too obvious and too easy. Go ahead. And, and I'm going to say Chris Brooks. Um, so that I had five names on my list, and this is the hardest one to pick for sure. I had Suji, Yuma Aoyagi, Shota Umino, Chris Brooks, and Soya. I think all five of those guys were fucking tremendous. And, like, the improvement from 2022 to 2023 with all of these guys, and can't really say Suji because we didn't see – we saw one match of his in 2022. But just all of these guys raised their games so much, Um, you know, Chris Brooks, Yuma Aoyagi each win their respective world titles for the first time. Both had great reigns, great matches. Shota, you know, we talked just a bit ago about the Naito match being very disappointing early in the year. But from that moment, just had such an amazing year. You know, hasn't quite gotten the results, like winning. And, like, that's been kind of a thing on commentary, which I like. But you, like you said earlier, he's going to be a world champ. He's going to get his. And just the crowd obviously is eating out of the palm of his hands. We didn't talk about it when we talked about the Osprey match, but just the moment with Mox coming out to the ring, like obviously he's his mentor. He still comes out with the jacket every time. Like that was so fucking cool. Uh, But yeah, I'm going to say Chris Brooks um, because, you know, it's hard to say rookie of the year and breakout star is the same thing. It's like, you know, Suji does. It's hard not to say him, but Chris Brooks is going to be my official answer. But I am willing. I'm just pulling a bill again. Let's give it to Manabu Soya. I am A-OK with that uh, for the 2023 high twister. Yeah, you motherfuckers could never meet him at any point. Um, <laughs> let's go one down to number 11 because I'm curious to see what your uh, answer would be to number 11. It is ranking the promotions that we currently watch. I just did it for – well, I did it two ways. I did it WWE, AW way, if we were including them. the way, My official answer is just for – I yes. just did Japanese promotions. Okay, I did that. Okay, I did it both ways. So go ahead, rank the promotions in order, best to worst. Yeah, obviously one is New Japan. There's not much to say there. I've got Noah at two. You know, this is maybe just me being an asshole because I didn't watch a ton of it, but I got TJPW at three. I have it at four. 
I got Stardom at four, and I've got DDT, DDT at five. Okay, yeah, I got to say, there's, there's the five. I'm uh, not really counting All Japan just because we no, did really, really and, okay. and that's the thing with DDT is, like, I watched a lot less DDT in 23 than 22. And, you know, admittedly, I did not watch a ton of TJPW, but, like, what I, as I've said, what I've watched, I always love. Right. So, to me, that was enough to bump it above stardom, which, you know, definitely had, to me, like, better matches this year. But just the disappointment of everything. And I've got an award. It's going to be specifically about this. Um, so, I'll save a little bit for that. But, yeah, New Japan, Noah, TJP Dub, Stardom, DDT. I got New Japan, Noah, Stardom, TJPW, and DDT. Basically, yours just three and four are flipped let's go to the wildest moment of the year this was a fun one i'm sorry i said this was a fun one and i did i think i may have said wildest match slash moment or maybe i just wrote that down myself but yeah wild shit i had some fun with this one for me there's one that well there's really two answers if you're jason um the Baromu Harada match. Yes. <laughs> one. But the other that really made me almost like want to punch you was the Giant Panda match. That's going to be my pick for the wildest moment of the year. I, had, I didn't even think about it, honestly. I can suspend a lot of disbelief. Obviously, I'm a pro wrestling fan. I like science fiction. Probably my favorite, you know, series when it comes to science fiction empire strikes back are arguably is my favorite movie of all time so i can suspend disbelief this is where you can't suspend disbelief enough for me to sit here and be like oh i can watch this shit. i need alcohol i need some marijuana i need something where i could just be diluted as much as humanly possible, uh, this three foot fucking panic. I love it. Right. What the fuck, man? I was so mad at you for that. I was about to say the Harada Hiromu match. I was mad just because it was just over the top and it was just funny and it was just a little funny, silly shit. They brought this fucking panda out like this. This is gonna be yo. This is your. Couldn't even get it in the ring. Man, hell no. <laughs> I can't remember what the is Ziba was. Is that the damn panda's name? And Dreza Giant Panda, who is our winner for wildest okay, moment of the year. Wildest moment of the year. I have got a few others. One was Hiromu Harada, just insanity. You Over know, that was one of the wildest things I've ever seen in wrestling. I do want to give a shout out to the New Japan Independence Day crowd for both mm. of those shows along with the June Kasai deathmatch appearance, whatever. Like, you know, we talked about it at the time. He's a guy was becoming familiar with a little more. Obviously haven't seen a ton of him, but he's a big deal in Japan for sure. And just to see the reception of the crowd and just that match happening in New Japan in Cork and Hall was insane. And then I brought this up earlier, but again, Nakamura and Noah is wild as shit still to me that that happened. And... Uh, Charlie Dempsey to All Japan earlier this yeah. year happened. So 
shit, I'd love to see more of WWE sending guys to Japan or vice versa. I mean, why the fuck not? WWE is he was this year. I, I'm about to say it happened after the. Uh, yeah, no, I know that. I'm just mentioning in the scope of like WWE sending people to Japan. You know, right, right. But yeah, it's insane. But yeah, the winner with a bullet easily. Andres a giant panda. God damn it, that was so fucking good. Sorry, it was it clearly it has still scarred me to this day. Uh let's do we're gonna do best worst. Let's do best faction and worst feud. I'll go actually I'll let you go first, best faction. I'll go worst on worst feud. Go first, best faction. Wow, it looks like I may have actually uh skipped this one, but my answer is United Empire. Um I think especially earlier in the year before Aussie Open left, you know, we had, you know, Mark Davis stepping in to the to Osprey's spot in the New Japan Cup. Um, Kyle Fletcher really kind of getting over in the couple singles matches he had in the New Japan Cup. Like that, the New Japan Cup was a great just moment overall for United Empire, despite Osprey's injury. But it created the opportunity. You know, we mentioned Aussie Open winning the tag titles against Bishamon. Tremendous. Just the year Hanare had overall was so fucking great. You know, he's someone that could have been mentioned in Breakout Star. You know, he's not quite on the level of those other guys. But, like, he's someone that improved drastically, which that award is coming up as well. Um TJP and not Aswang, but TJP and Akira had a tremendous year, both of them. Mm-hmm. Um, great Ocon, you know, kind of lied in the weeds a little bit, but had a few moments here and there. The Mox match specifically, I thought was wonderful. Don't, 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 don't give that man that much. <laughs> Jeff Cobb, you know, he's Jeff Cobb. He had those two awesome matches with ZSJ for the TV title. Um, the six man, which we didn't talk a ton about that the, that happened at the end of the year with, uh, Hinare, Cobb and Ocon against Okada, Tanahashi and Ishii for the six man belts was amazing. So yeah, my answer is United Empire, but I would probably go War Dogs too. I got GLG as, uh, okay. They might be two for me. That's my top three in some order. Just to see how quickly they formed together with Jake Lee at the top, Jack Morris, who you most people, including myself, didn't know of, Anthony Green. I didn't, you know, if I didn't watch NXT, you know, religiously, I would have missed who Anthony Green was. Then you added Yohei and uh, Tadusuke. It was basically it all happened in like one show where it, you know, Tadusuke and Yohei formed up, you know, and it was, I was just thinking, okay, they'll just be a tag team. And then the next thing you know, you see Jack Morris and Anthony Green form up, and then Jake Lee at the top of the uh, the head, kind of like Voltron up in this bad boy. So in that scenario, for me, just as a one failed swoop, you could go. The TMDK could be uh, all fucking this, day baby. in this uh, scenario for sure. I, I'm not going to sit up here and say that they're not. Uh, just like I said, for me personally, if TMDK would have won tag titles then i'd have been all about that yep you, you could have totally been down for that but they keep fucking my boys over so for me in this scenario i'm gonna go with uh good looking guys glg as my uh best faction now for worst feud plenty of right answers <laughs> you said one of them that i didn't even think about and that's uh well i shouldn't say worth it's the end of worst matches it's worst feud so for me worst feud that i watched was uh 
Daga and Ida versus uh, <laughs> Noah. It just felt like Ida was all of a sudden on this push of, you know, he's getting ready to win the junior title. Fans are behind him. Daga seems like a fairly uh, unlikable heel to root against. And then in 10 minutes, the title match is over and Daga wins. So I'm like, okay, so what the fuck did we just spend all of these weeks and months for building this dude up, Ada, who I don't even necessarily like, and now all of a sudden you're going to have him lose in 10 minutes and the title match is probably the, the biggest up to this point in this whole angle. To me, just a waste of fucking time. And the fact that I don't even like Ida probably makes it even worse. So for me, Daga Ida, worst feud of the year for 2023. Yeah, I didn't it. I didn't care enough about that to waste my time, breath, <laughs> energy, or feud? anything on that shit. And for the record, uh, your video's been kind of frozen a good chunk of this. So I th- I assume that was Bill who popped in with the TMDK sweatshirt, but uh, tell him I said hello. Uh, my answer here is House of Torture versus just five guys near the end of the year, just as a whole. So that encompasses Evil and Sonata from the G1 and the title match, as well as the show versus Taichi, KOPW, the handcuff match. Just made yep. Sonata, our world champion, by the way, look like a fucking bitch the whole time. And this, the whole thing was just awful and... Yeah, just terrible. Um, I did have an honorable mention of David Finley and Tama Tonga, only in the sense of just it went on way too long. And, you know, the matches were okay, but neither guy to me benefited or got over out of that and just was just kind of a waste of time, in my opinion. But House of Torture, Just Five Guys is my pick, and I'm going to pull a bill and give the high twist to House of Torture. (laughs) By all means, it's the better pick. I'll give you the credit for that. Knock yourself out. Um, Bill, you can jump into this motherfucker. I mean, don't be scared. Shit, we already know you're here. Yeah, come on. Don't say that. Don't say that. What up, Brett? There you go. This is the you're ever going to meet because I I will have to stand in between you two jokers because. (laughs) What the hell is that? This is is chaos already getting ready to happen. So I can't even believe I'm allowing this to. Chaos like the faction? Yeah, yeah. Kind of like that. It's it's almost House of Torture, but you guys are actually. What's the Brett and Bill faction called? (laughs) (laughs) The biggest pimps in the world? Whoa, that's something to think about. See, you're already talking crazy shit. Let's talk uh, tag team of the year. Um, I'll let you go first. I was going to say, uh, under mine, I think this is a pretty easy pick for me, but I'll let you go first. Who's you got for tag team of the year? I mean, you know I'm going to pick Fishamon, no doubt. Um, you know, one World Tag League last year, won it this year, had the belts the majority of the year. Fucking love those guys to death, absolutely. You know, the match I mentioned with Aussie Open earlier, a match that was in, which we didn't even go through my 26 through 50, which is fine because we've already been going long enough. But Bishamon versus Okada and uh, Tanahashi, I think it was from the anniversary show. Also fucking tremendous. Those guys are just so good. And like we've said, like, you know, they're both fine as individuals. And Goto certainly had his time, you know, never won the big one, but has had a hell of a career. Yoshihashi, you know, it took him a while. And you know how much I fucking love him. But never really, never really got there as a singles guy. But those two together is just wonderful. Um, my honorable mentions are Drilla Maloney and Clark Connors, Catch 2-2. Uh, Alpha Wolf and Dragon Bane, got to give them a little love for the madness. And then I'm throwing out Okada, Tanahashi, and Ishii 
the never six-man champs. Even though it's not a traditional tag team, they deserve an honorable mention for what they've done. Do they? <laughs> yeah. It's lines, man. <laughs> look, I'm about to say, look, Bishimon and Ishii, if they were still together and they had their run, they, I wouldn't have had a problem with that. I just don't think that they're that good to where it's all of a sudden we have to anoint them as tag team of the year. You said my tag team of the year on the list, and it came towards the end, and it's Alpha Wolf and Dragon Bane. Okay. He, they are just hands and shoulders above everybody else. They leap through the screen like nobody's business. As soon as they, you know, as soon as you hear their names, you know it's going to be on. They're like the champions in what 15 different freaking promotions. Give me a break. To me, I like Beach Nine, like the next one, but for me, my money, it's Alpha Wolf and Dragon Man. It's not even close. I I'll like. I'll let you have this one. I'm a okay with that. <laughs> BC Mind is over, motherfucker. Damn, let's get some new blood in this bad boy. Um, let's go show of the year. Yeah. Uh, did you go first last time? Did I go first? I did. I'll go first then, obviously. Uh, show of the year, there's, there's plenty of candidates out there, especially on this side of the ledger when it comes to Perezu, but for me, one really stands out. One had a bunch of four and a half and a five-star match on this. I'm going to all-star Grand Queendom. I mean, to me, that one stands out. It was one of the last real... It was the last great stardom show. ...that we saw for 2023. Obviously, you had the title title change at the top, but then also you did have Mina you know, finally completing her story, beating uh, Saya Kamatini at that same show. You had, uh, I believe that was the Hachimoto-Shiri match. I gave that four and a half stars. So, I mean, for me, you had three matches at four and a half stars or above right there alone. That's all I need to know. I'm going all-star grand queen of this show of the year. I mean, of course it's in my finals, but you know I couldn't fucking pick it. So uh, <laughs> Stop being a bitch, man. Give star his love. Fuck stardom. I'm going New Japan Sakura Genesis, um, April 8th, 2023. These top five, Mercedes Monet versus Izumi and Hazuki, ZSJ versus Shota, Aussie Open versus Bishamon, which, as I said, made me shed a tear, Hiromu versus Robbie Eagles, and I know Bill isn't the biggest fan, but Sonata over Okada was a fucking moment, and it was a great match as well, I think. You know, we'll... We've talked enough about the Sonata Rain, but that was something. Uh, I just fucking love this show. I thought it was great. You know, the undercard was nothing like too much to scoff at, but that's not what we're necessarily talking about here. Um, I thought this was just awesome. Others I mentioned, or the others I had were Dominion. I have the Noah Mudo Grand Final, which was just a fun show. And then I put DDT's Ultimate Party, which, you know, we both had two matches in our top 25s from that show. So, but you know what? I gave you the last one. I'm taking this one. I can't let fucking stardom win. New Japan, Sakura Genesis, show of the year. Twist it up, baby. (laughs) I forgot about that Hiromu-Robbie Eagles match. Yeah, that was good shit for sure. No, it, yeah. it was a good match. And I, I loved that women's three-way with uh, yes. Mercedes, Azumi, and Hazuki. I mean, obviously, you were both big Azumi Hazuki fans, and one of Mercedes' best matches in her short tenure back. But yeah, I thought that was awesome. Robbie Eagles is is someone out. So fucking underrated. Underrated, yeah. You stole my thunder, but 
all the fucking time. Every time he comes out, it's like, damn, that motherfucker's good. And even on commentary. I don't even remember what show it was. Commentary, too. Yeah, way better yeah. now. I think he was on there for the Osprey show, or excuse me, it was either Osprey Shota or Osprey Suji. Whichever one of those two shows, he did commentary for like the second half, and he was fucking awesome. No, definitely on point. I'd say another guy that has a, a future in commentary if he wants to go down that road. Let's go with. Uh, We're getting close here. What's up? We're getting close to the end. Yeah, I'd say it's like four or five more. Uh, I'm going to say best heel, best face for the end. Um, most, improved, most improved wrestler. Love this one. Um, I'll go first. Um, for me, this is somebody that I've been, and speaking of the devil, because I was just saying that I was, I said his name of last year, and this person to my immediate left laughed me off and said Master Wado was never going to be amounting to much of anything. If, Which if I couldn't all. blame him for at that time. Good. I didn't say he was going to be that dude right away. I just said somewhere down the line, Master Wado was going to make his mark, and he finally did. For I'll take sake. the L on that one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's okay. Master Wado came Probably out happy to take the L. Can't spell Bill without two L's. <laughs> Master Wado You got came that out. right, baby. Win in BSOJ. Same true for Bell, though. Yeah, this is, true too. this is true, too. <laughs> As the winner of the, uh, the Vamp Ringside Prediction uh, race, I don't think you can necessarily say that. One BSOJ, him and uh, Daspy Waddle was one of the, the fun moments of Super Junior Tag League. And um, like I said, I think he's he's going to be one of the first to get at Daspy in 2024. Master Waddle wasn't on anybody's radar when 2023 was started. And all of a sudden at the end, he's somebody that we're all trying to talk about. They were talking about the fact that he didn't, he didn't have a match on Wrestle Kingdom. The, the BSOJ winner usually has some sort of match. On Wrestle Kingdom. I know we were talking about Yoda Suji. He was talking about it too. He needs to have a match on Wrestle Kingdom. Master Wild kind of needed one too, but neither here nor there. I'm going to go with Master Waddle as most improved for 2023. Who you got? I'm A-OK with that. He was in my finalist. This is one of the toughest for me to pick by far. Mm-hmm. So I'll mention my finalists. I had Master Wado, Soya, who we had as breakout star ultimately, but he's got to be mentioned here. Mina Shirakawa, um, Shota Umino, who was also mentioned before, but again, he just improved a lot. I got Yuki Kamafuku. Um, I thought she really took a step up this year beyond just being gorgeous, as we know. Like, I really think she stepped up her wrestling. And then Hanare, who I mentioned earlier, and Jackie Two Belts on here as well. Jack Morris, absolutely. But my winner, also from Pro Wrestling Noah, who will be challenging for the GHC Heavyweight Champion is Eho Dell Dr. Wagner Jr., yeah. a guy I had never even heard of before last year. You know, comes into Noah. He's in the N1. You know, I wasn't watching every single match in the N1 of 22 or this year, real. you know, skipping some here and there, but watched a couple of his matches. I'm like, okay, this guy's pretty good, but like wasn't really too impressed or too much like, you know, in love with him. And then he beat uh, who's the old fuck that he beat for the national title. Masakatsu Fanaki beat him for the national title last year. And then went on a fucking hell of a run, uh, really all year. Had a great N one, so many great title defenses with the national title, including one against Jack Morris before he lost to Jack Austin. Morris. Yeah. And those are two guys I feel like we talked about all year of just how much better they got from. Again, really had no the fuck no fucking clue who Jack Morris was before the N one last year either. Oh, no. So similar timing. 
and similar trajectories. Those guys, you know, both now national champions. So, yeah, I'm giving it to E. Heldell, Dr. Wagner Jr. Uh, I'll let Bill break the t- – well, he just doesn't really watch Noah. So. Yeah, I was say, I don't even know if he knows. So uh, then fuck it. I'll pull a Bill. I'm going we're, – we're giving it to E. It was my pick, but I like the Wagner pick more. He was national champion and, and for a, a hot minute. So as far as I'm concerned, he can win the uh, the, the breakout star. I'm sorry, the uh, yeah breakout star of the year award. Uh, where are we at? 16. This was when one was kind of hard for me personally. Feud of the year. I'll yeah. let you first. Yeah, um, I could only come up with really two that really stood out and yeah none of it you know it's different in japan than the states where you know it's a lot more storytelling a lot more backstage promos in-ring promos it's it's a lot easier to like quantify a feud of the year Uh, but i'm going with nakajima and kento miyahara you know we (laughs) talked about it earlier these are guys that have been in separate promotions but had a boatload of history together we're in a six-man tag somewhere along the way. We can't pinpoint when. It was in Noah at some point. It wasn't all together again. But that's kind of what started heating this up again. And then they had that match in Noah, which was what? Your number two match of the year. My, yeah. like, 12, something like that. Yeah. You know, just an absolute fucking ripper. And then, lo and behold, fucking Nakajima shows up in all Japan and sacks him in the face with a thing of roses and then beats him again. And yeah, I just think just this kind of is a microcosm of the entire year of just the collaboration, the cross promotional stuff. But now they're in the same promotion. And we talked a lot about Kento. You know, he's now kind of at his lowest, needing to build back up to that yeah. peak and get that belt back. But I said Soya Kento or Soya uh, Kento as feud of the year just for the fact that. The N1 springboards Kent or springboards Manable Soya into Kento, who finally wins the title back. Former Congo with the teammates, basically, you know, Soya was, you know, Kento's fucking enforcer. And now the enforcer is going after the former leader. But unfortunately, Kento wins, in this case, defends the, the GHC heavyweight title over Manable Soya. In your scenario, it's a totally different thing altogether. We're Nakajima basically comes in and wrecks havoc, takes the title, takes respect, takes egos, the whole nine yards, and this is a, in a short space of a few months. So I'll give it to you. Fine, you win. Well, I'm, I was going to take it anyway. Because anyway so I kind of figured that. So I just I, I was gracious well, enough. The match you mentioned happened in 2024. So fuck I, off. No, <laughs> no argument here. Uh, another difficult one. I respect how he doesn't let you push him around. Let's <laughs> <laughs> say somebody got to keep me in line around here. Let's go with number eight, uh, promo of the year. This to me was a little bit of a hard one, but I did say the promo of the year from one I'm picking for our episode is one that I had for BFR for the Beefers last year. I'm going Will Ospreay post Wrestle Kingdom. Um, that Will Ospreay, and I said it last week on uh, BFR, this, that's the genesis of this whole Will Ospreay we see right now. Another soul-crushing loss to, in this case, it's Kenny Omega, where this whole buildup was, you know, 
everybody else leaves, but I stay. You know, I'm the best wrestler in the world, and all of a sudden now he just just basically gets dog walked by Kenny Omega in in the greatest stage on New Japan wrestling. And post match, he wasn't having it anymore. He is putting himself on the clock. We have got to win the IWGP Championship this year, and that to me was the start of arguably one of the best runs in wrestling for a calendar year. I'm going Will Ospreay post Wrestle Kingdom as promo of the year. Definitely a good one. Was in my final three. The other is Mina, like challenging Tam which I don't even think ended up happening. But I, I remember whatever show that was, I brought it up. It, you know, it was the one where, like, they teamed together and she was trying to dance with them. And then after the match, Mina's like, fuck that. No more fucking dancing. I can't do this shit. I just remember, like, post-Tam winning the title, this was, like, one moment. That show specifically is like, okay, stardom might be pulling me back in a little bit. There was, like, a promo after every match, it felt like, on that show. It might have been the one where they, like, flip-flopped a bunch of tag teams. I can't remember when it was. That's exactly where it was. But that's a finalist. But my winner, and thank you, BFR, for making me remember this, was the Alex Coughlin G1 promo was just so fucking good at the press conference. You know, just talking about, you know, missing everything in his family because he loves this shit so much and getting his ass kicked by Shibata and, you know, missing – I think it was maybe the death of one of his parents or uncles or something like that. I can't recall exactly, but I admittedly, it wasn't that long ago, but I'd kind of forgotten about it. And kind of to my point earlier is with, it's just hard to like pinpoint promos because there's not nearly as many of them. And some of them we can't even fucking understand when there's not any <laughs> translation. Um, but my pick is Alex Coughlin at the G1. But I'll give this one to you because I had it on my list and it was still fucking great. The Osprey Kingdom 17. I thought the Alice Coughlin is a name that we don't even know. And Will Osprey's going to get his flowers. Don't forget about Alice Coughlin's promo on Bishima where he goes, Hiroki Goto, <laughs> Yoshihashi. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> All right, Coughlin's winning it. Thirteen is a big one we're probably going to agree with, but let's just say it for the sake of argument. Shocker of the year. I'll let you go first. I'm gonna we're, go ahead and say no. We're not gonna agree on this one, I don't think. So Please. you go. Please. No, get you go ahead. Oh, I'm sh- Yoga Studio's debut is the shocker of the year. I mean, what the fuck? What you got? Obviously. The shocker of the year to me is that stardom fell off a fucking cliff. And I mean that seriously. It's like, I, that was one of, one of, if not my favorite promotion of 2022. And I thought the first quarter or so of this year was great until the Tam Nakano over Julia and then everything... And it, maybe that just killed it for me, and it just pissed me off so much. But I do truly believe that the book, and we've talked about it, the booking as a whole just declined, suffered. There were still great matches, but it got to the point where I canceled my subscription, and I haven't watched anything since October. So this is more of a me personal award, but like I just did not see me not giving a shit about stardom to begin 2024 with the way 2023 started. I guess that's a little harsh. It's not that I don't give a shit. It's just there's only so much time. 
I have less of it these days, and there's so much great wrestling, and that's what's fallen off for me. And it's unfortunate, and I'll still be you know tuning in here and there, but that is my shocker of the year was that stardom fell off a fucking cliff. But we will give the award to the Yoda Suji debut, um, obviously. My other ones are Sonata over Okada, which I mentioned before. Tam oh, over. See? These guys were laughing at me last week. It was like, no. you know what? I know. I heard it. I was, I was, I was listening to it, and I'm like, I got you. I got your back. Thank you, sir. I appreciate you. <laughs> I mean, say what you say, what I will about it, but Tam over Julia is, was definitely a shocker. Right. Um, I have Nakajima leaves Noah for all Japan as well, because mm-hmm. you know we both kind of were penciling in New Japan and just the way it happened as well. And I'm so happy that that's where he is right now because it just gives me that much more care about all Japan yep. and plenty of young you, talent over there too. Yeah. Although I will say, cause you probably won't end up watching it. He got pinned by one of the Saito brothers um, on the show not too long ago in a tag match. So I don't remember which brother it was. I think it's Ray Saito. So the, one that was in the, uh, the, uh, DDT Grand Prix. Yeah, it's the dude with the be- the beard, the longer. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I assume he'll be challenging Nakajima. That was definitely a shocker, but um, yeah, we're okay. going. We'll go with Yoda Suji's debut, obviously. Good. All right, wrapping it up. We're down to the final two. It's probably the two that make the you know the, the two big ones besides you know match of the year, wrestle of the year, best heel, best baby face. I'll go first on best heel, best baby face. I'll go best baby face first. Uh, for me, it's Kento Miyahara. Like I said earlier, he just – I've seen him a handful of times in 2023, and he's one of the reasons why I wanted to watch All Japan more, his his charisma, the way fans, including myself, just gravitate to him. He is the ultimate. When I think babyface, he's one of the first fucking people I think of, and that's in all kinds of promotions, all kinds of ways. To me, this was an easy pick. Best heel was kind of a harder pick. It was. There was there was people that have kind of swayed, at least in my mind, back and forth. But I'm going with a, a safe pick. I'm going Keno as best heel. It throughout 2023, it always felt like he was calling somebody an asshole, definitely running down uh, Kaito Kiyomiya, basically telling him if you don't do one to do well in the G1, don't come back type shit. You know, calling he, the crowd assholes a lot too. He's just the, the straw that stirs the drink, not necessarily in a fuckery kind of way, but he would definitely needle a motherfucker and get underneath your skin. So I'm going Miyahara, best face. Uh, Keno, best heel. Well, it's, it's funny because watching the the Soya match and then the the Go match recently. Did you have you checked out the Keno Go match? Mm-hmm. So that motherfucker's a babyface right now. You know, it's like right. the crowd was all on him, and he is fucking Noah now right. officially. Well, he gave it back. He gave it back, <laughs> but. I do agree. With, I'm not. It's not my pick, but I agree. He's a great pick for best heel because his actions are definitely heelish. But he's to the point now where the crowd fucking loves him, obviously, because he's great. You can be a heel and have a crowd love you. But my answer, and I just talked about him, is Nakajima again for what he did. And you know, it's not like he was that old boy. Yeah, it's not like he was a baby face in Noah either. Like he's always been, you know. Kind, kind of an asshole prick as well, even when he and 
you know, even though he was technically more of a baby face this year once Axes got back together, this and that. But and that was, but that was brief at best. Exactly. And just what he did the last two-ish months of the year in all Japan, <laughs> Kento in the face with the flowers, coming in, taking the Triple Crown Championship, okay. coming out the fucking Antonio Inoki's music, music dressing like yeah. him at press conferences. It's got to be Nakajima for me. Okay, fair. I, I get Miyahara on the front end, though, as, as best babyface. You do. Um, it wasn't my pick. He was number what, two. What was, was going to be your pick? My pick is Shota Umino. Um, I just, I, 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 see, I was going to say him, but then I was just like, no, nah, Miyahara to me is it's just more of an established yeah, a bigger baby face. The show to Umino has got to be on the list. Top three, top five for sure. Those are the only two names I wrote down. So uh, if, that tell, if that tells you anything, Shoto was my pick. <laughs> I'm happily giving it to Kento because, yeah, he's just charisma personified. Okay. All right. That's what's up. All right. So quickly so we can get this motherfucker over here rolling. Uh, the next time we're going to talk, I'm assuming we're going to talk a little Noah, Jack Bulls, Alexander. Um, the 20th is was that Tamatanga and Evil. Uh, I'm sure there's a I can't think what the 23rd episode is, but look, let's look for us in a couple weeks. I'm sure we're gonna have to do this before Valentine's Day so that way we don't get my boy over here on the right in some trouble. So, yeah, uh, we'll would, be good. I would probably say let's look for the Phoenix to arise from the ashes in a couple of weeks. So on that lovely note, it is time to bid you jokers adieu. For my quite man. a quite a twister here. This was a fun one, man. I was like, quite a twister here. High it's twist, baby. baby. It's, it's either you know it's video freezes or some sort of mouth. Well, the mouth thing mouth. is, the audio was fucking perfect this whole time, and this has happened like one other time where your video is like frozen for the majority. Um, but the audio was perfect, so that's really all that matters. That's all that matters. I just wish I could have seen more of Bill's beautiful face. There, there you go. We'll just we'll scoot it over. You're getting a Christmas card next year. <laughs> I can't fucking well, wait. Baby, it's time for us to bid you adieu because I got to record BFR so I can get him home for William H. Beggy. It's your boy, JCB. Brett Jager on the right-hand side of this beautiful YouTube experience. But by all means, Go to Visionary Global Media Network, hit that subscribe button so that way you get all the podcasts from the family of BGM. But most importantly, hit us up, subscribe to us, do all that good shit, follow us on Twitter, you know, follow us five stars. Yeah, yeah, yeah that and Bantering side too. But that being said, it is time for us to go so that way I can continue my voice for the evening. Back to back for the second week in a row. No shit, man. I'm sick of hearing my own long tea. <laughs> <laughs> it's time to go. PSB 19 is in the books. High Twist Awards have been given out. Thank you very much for coming to see us. We'll see you in two weeks to talk a little more for Rezu and Josie Wrestling. For Brett Jager, for Bill Veggie, I'm JCB. We bid you adieu. Good night. God bless. Peace. Peace. Now twist that blunt, motherfucker.